Tastes as empty of a lot. Go ahead, laugh. Laugh all you want. But the fact of the matter is, this is, this is the setting for...
I'm Karen Siaska-Zeltman from Italian Hour. When my car needs service, I take it to Jonathan's Complete Car Care. Jonathan's Complete Car Diagnostics and Tune-Ups. You can depend on Jonathan's for the best service at prices you can afford. Give Jonathan's Complete Car Care a call. 609-601-6460. They work hard to give you the service you need. Jonathan's Complete Car Care works with many vehicles, including Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Volvo, Volkswagen, and Audi. Make Jonathan's Complete Car Care the company you keep. 609-601-6460. Call today for a free estimate or visit. Find us on the web at jonathanscompletecarcare.com and like us on Facebook and find us on Twitter. Listening to MTR Radio, powered by MTRmedia.com. Past Ball Show, brought to you by JohnPLE.com. What the f you think is my opinion of it? I think it was put that in. I don't. So the tribe drops its third straight on this trip, six to one to the Rangers for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I'm talking about the past, I'm talking about the history, I'm talking about what's great about this game of baseball. There's so much stuff that we talk about. I would say I would know, but I would say the reason why they want to pass is baseball going into the highest baseball sport. Let me start by telling you this. I have never used steroids, period. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. Joe Carter with a three-run homer. The winners and still world champions, the Toronto Blue Jays. And this team sucks. Well, he is where he's out. Yes, sir. Yes. is out. Look, look at this. Fred is out. And uh, Damon Mack. I don't want to hear all your about other sports. I'm in the baseball business. It's been running cleaner than any baseball business that was ever put out in the 100 years of the present time. Sell the team. Oh, yeah. From the CSB studios in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, on the MTR Radio Network, this is the Passball Show. Brought to you by JohnPLE.com. Ready to knock out two solid hours. And as I've been pleasured a couple times, boy, I've got the opportunity to bring in Boy Meets Machine. They're in studio with me today. And, uh, yeah, microphones are on. So yeah. somebody say hello. We're very happy. Johnny P. John P. What's Back going on, guys? Three. So I'm just going to jump right three. into this, man, because we got a good show planned today. Uh, Tito Landrum's going to be calling in probably around like 540. We got the uh, opportunity of possibly having one or two other guests maybe a surprise guest here and there in a second hour we're going to open up the phone lines probably uh you know go a little along the lines of words you shouldn't say on the radio and i'll, I'll throw i'll throw that um i'll throw that out there at the beginning of the second hour but uh welcome aboard thanks for listening thanks for tuning in uh don't forget to check out my website www.johnpla.com as well as the rest of the programming right here on mtr radio and we're going to jump right into right away. What the hell happened to the Yankees, Christian? Get into it now. Oh, Three, two, one, go. Oh, man. What, what didn't happen to the Yankees? Uh, well, 
nobody performed. That's pretty much what happened. Everybody hit at the end of the year, and then they get in the playoffs, and they're just basically a bunch of mental midgets. That's what it comes down to. Everyone's paid too much. Everyone's satisfied. It's time to shake things up. Time to go get rid of Nick Swisher and all of his uh, antics. Hey, let's get into Nick Swisher for a second. What did you, what did you think about what he had to say after that game? All, all of a sudden, he's, he's the big fan guy. You know, the fans love him. All of a sudden, he goes up supporting the team. I think it just exposed how immature he really is. Yeah, he definitely looked kind of mentally weak right there. He just pretty much you know, for a, for a guy that walks out there like he's he's, you know, Mr. Big Shot, you know, everyone loves me, I'll say whatever I want. All of a sudden he gets a little bit offended. Yeah, you know what? And honestly, I've never been a real big Nick Swisher fan. I think he's way more uh into the uh, you know, the show part of the game than actually playing. I think he hits very selfishly. Hit definitely swings for a lot more home runs than he should and you know he's a terrible he's always been a terrible outfielder and I think he's it was really exposed that once he faces good pitching he's going to just choke you know yeah, absolutely terrible. and you know if Nick Swisher does leave the Yankees and the Yankees will offer him that whatever that veterans exception or whatever for 13 and a half million which is up to him if he wants to take it more than likely he's going to go out for the, after the multi-year deal and you know go elsewhere next year but without Nick Swisher and without your boy from last year, A.J. Burnett, who is going to throw a pie in a Yankee player's face? I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, somebody's going to have to friggin' A-Rod's get trained. Pick, A-Rod, since he'll be basically the, the new bench manager for next year. He yeah, can, uh, the guy, the guy who makes more money than an entire team's payroll. That's right. He's going to be sitting on the bench next year, in your opinion. So let's, as we move into this, let's get into the A-Rod, man. What do you, okay. you think is going to happen to him? You hear so many things from going – of getting rid of him completely, trading him, releasing him, sitting him on the bench for the entire season. I think he'll be playing starting third base for the New York Yankees next Thank you. year. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Nobody man. is going to uh, – first of all, he's got a no-trade clause. Second of all, I don't see him leaving New York and thir- or agreeing to leave New York. And third of all, no one in their right mind is going to pick up that insane of a contract for a guy that's on the tail end of his career. I'll tell you the one thing that stands out, obviously, with the amount of money that he makes, is the you know the, the luxury checks and how it's going to be really put into full force for the beginning of the 2014 season. So the Yankees essentially have one season left, 2013, to be able to spend whatever they want. Right. And as Hal Steinbrenner said, backed up by Hank and Brian Cashman and Randy Levine, they've all said they've all agreed that the Yankees will be under the 189 million dollar threshold by the end of the 2013 season, which means after the postseason. So this gives them an opportunity to pretty much retool the team, get a bunch of players on one-year deals from, you know, Hiroki Kuroda to Ichiro to Swisher if he wants it. Mariano will be a free agent. He'll be back for one more season. Pettit. So all these guys will be back on one-year contracts, essentially setting up 2014 to be a weird season. I mean, a lot of people have said, and I, I do want your opinion on this, Christian, a lot of people said that when it comes down to it, the Yankees will say, screw it, we're going to spend. Do you think there's any chance of that happening? Yeah. Absolutely. That's, of course. That's what because, they've been because, doing because, since the because they're the Yankees. Yeah, they're going to spend. But my, not... my question gets changed through that. What if they don't? I mean, are they just in a spot where they got their high-paid players and just are going to be hamstrung to spend anything? Or do you see them creatively working themselves to where they could be under it? Because Hal Steinbrenner has gone out there and saying, this is, this is not George's team anymore. George is gone. 
he's a I, I he has to he has to hold the team to physical responsibility <laughs> and the luxury tax the way it's set up is bigger than it's been over the last like 10 years or so when MLB has tried to incorporate it it's set up to a point where it's going to totally screw the teams that are over it they're going to have to pay an exorbitant amount of money which might even be too much for the New York Yankees uh you know what that's an interesting point i mean i think at the end of the day they have s- just think about how how expensive it is to to go to a Yankee game. You know they're trying yeah. to recoup their money by basically raping the fans. And, and think about the high priced seats that are always empty on the field. Level. And that's the thing. They're they're the Yankees are like it's like watching the fall of the Roman Empire. And it's very Absolutely. very slowly, and it's getting worse each year. And you can just I mean, I don't really know if Powell's going to adhere to that. I I don't know how many people are behind closed doors that really have their meat hooks in what Howell is going to do so i don't think we're going to know that until it actually happens but i will tell you this the way that the yankees actually are handling themselves on the field they have uh no luster whatsoever i mean they've got no life they've got no ball sack uh basically i mean for lack of a better word they're just not playing team they don't play team baseball they play individual baseball and when you set yourself up to play long ball style baseball you're going to fail they can't do fundamental things now, we're going to get into this because I want your opinion. I've talked to a couple of Yankee fans that have had some suggestions on what this team should do going into next year. you okay. got a guy like Curtis Granderson who's on the last year of his contract. you got Robinson Cano who oh. is expected to be retained and signed long term. Right. If you're Brian Cashman, you know, Hal and Hank Steinbrenner, Randy Levine, whoever is making the real call here because I'm not 100% sure that Brian Cashman's making all the calls in this organization no, when it comes I don't to think players. So either. So when the brain trust gets together, what would you suggest them do? For Granderson, I think you keep him for one more year and then and probably move on. I don't think that he's a long going to be a long term Yankee just because I don't see him drastically altering. I mean, you know, he and Long had this supposed big uh, reconciliation in terms of his swing last year, and he still only hit around two, what two seventy nine. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't. And this year he dropped down and hit over. You know. Had more than 200 strikeouts, or what, around 200 strikeouts? 201, 202? It, it pretty much seemed like it. Something like that? It was, seemed, seemed like it was like 500 watching them. That's what I'm saying. I don't think that that's going to that's gonna fly for, for a Yankee. I don't think that the 43 home runs uh, offset 200 strikeouts because that's just – and not to mention he's an average center fielder at best. You know what I mean? Uh, Cano is a little bit different. Cano is probably the best second baseman in, in the MLB, but he's just such a – uh, you know, his work ethic is terrible. It seems like he does whatever he wants. He never hustles out ground balls. He uh, just showed how immature he really is. Um, and it's kind of sad because when you have that much talent and you can go on a tear at the end of the year and hit 600 for two weeks and then not uh, compile one hit and keep rolling ground balls over to the second base instead of going with the pitch, I just think it's selfish. Well, let me get into this for a second because I think this is a, this is a good point that's been raised. You look at Robinson Cano, the kind of player he is. Right. From his best to his worst, mm-hmm. he is a lackadaisical player who goes through the motions, kind of does whatever he wants. Right. You know, kind of the ball comes to him, he kind of just plays, you know, the Ole type of mentality. He doesn't run anything out. Definitely not. Even when he's hitting 700 for a week, Never he's runs. still doing the same thing. Do you think this is something that's only being brought up because the Yankees lost? 
Yeah. I mean, if the Yankees are winning World Series championships nobody cares. like in 2009, nobody was bringing up nobody the fact cares. that Robinson Cano won't run out of ground ball. Nobody cares. Only, only guys, they only care when they're losing. You know what? Guys like my dad will will bring it up no matter what. No, even absolutely. If they're, even if they're if no, they're no. Listen, winning. there's some there's some purists, some baseball purists that'll say, listen, he's not playing the game right. I don't care if the team's won ten in a row. No, and it's frustrating for real fans because I, you know what? I'll respect anyone. I don't really like Brett Gardner's play, but he runs out every single freaking ground ball, no matter yeah. what he does. He could turn a ground ball back to the pitcher into an interesting situation. It makes you, you know, when you run when you run a ball out, it it makes the play interesting because you know if i'm the second baseman and i'm fielding a slow ground ball and i see out of the corner of my eye some guy is bolting down the first baseline i'm gonna be uh you know more adhered to p possibly try to rush the play I, you can make something happen if you're running and cano is just not that type of player and, yeah, even, and not it, turning the double play come on you're yeah. not turning a double play in a clutch situation yeah, uh, you gotta you gotta make the play man and honestly, like in you look playoffs? at you look at Come players, on. no matter who they are, but the players that have that mentality of just like going through the motions because they feel like they got that much more talent to make up for it, got to make the play when it counts. Okay, I'm gonna bring up what. Remember Soriano, Alfonso Soriano. Yeah. Why did they get rid of him? For the same reason. Same exact. Now, thing. do you do you think do you think Robinson Cano is an, is is the same type of player? Though? I don't. I think, think I think Robinson think, Cano is way more talented. I think Robinson Cano has way more talent, but at the time, Soriano was very high profile. You have to remember. No, no, he was, and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not actually knocking Soriano. When he came up, he was, he 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 was considered to be even a better player than he is now. So we're uh, not comparing, you know, no. Cano now to Soriano. Now. Right. I, I know. I, what I, you're I think it's a fair enough comparison, but even. Even Alfonso Soriano, his first couple of years when he was coming up as a borderline shortstop, you know, when they were talking about maybe moving Derek Jeter to make him the everyday shortstop, which I don't, I don't know if you remember. I there remember. Was, there was a time that they were talking about this guy being that good. Right. But Robinson Cano, at his best, was better than anything that Alfonso Soriano could have ever I brought to so. the table. I think you're right. And, can, you know, the thing that's so frustrating about Cano is that he's not just a home run hitter. And Soriano had a lot of power, and he was, you know, more of a more of a – long ball type of hitter but Cano is just has the propensity to be such a you know such a line drive hitter he can hit the ball all over the place that's why it's so confusing to see him just flailing all around and not doing anything that's a guy this is a guy that you can't get out usually and I don't know the past uh even even with that run this is this is a weird year for Cano his RBIs uh, what do you hit like 90 RBIs I yeah no he didn't hit. he didn't have a season like he had the last couple of years and I'll tell you one thing that's pretty that's pretty interesting I mean you look at Robinson Cano as a player and really the thing that jumps out to you is his natural ability his right. the way he swings mm -hmm. he's got that natural swing like kind of like Roy Hobbs from mm -hmm. the, the natural yep you know, you compare him to like you know the way Josh Hamilton swings at a ball, the Absolutely. way Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, used yeah. To, the way even Mickey Mantle did. That he just, just so naturally just goes through strike zone, and right there is an advantage over any other type of player that's in the game. And to have a player that has that much ability, that much talent, I'm I'm sure it's frustrating the hell out of Yankee fans that they can't get him to run out of pop up. They can't get him to friggin' you know hustle for a ball that's hit going up the middle past them. That's what I'm saying. You know what? It kind of it kind of makes me worry because there was only one other time where I saw Cano like this, and it was when they still had Melky Cabrera, and you know there was something going on in that clubhouse <laughs> between the two of them. So, and you know what kind of player Melky Cabrera is now. Listen, I mean, where, where there's smoke, there's fire, man. That's what I'm saying. Like, you don't know what these guys are. It's almost like Cano's on drugs or something. You know, he just yeah. plays. And I'll tell you, that report that came out, and, you know, as erroneous as it may have been or a lack of base or substance to it, 
And, you know, anybody who doesn't know what we're referring to, there was a tweet that went out a couple weeks before the season ended. It said Robinson Cano had failed a drug test, and, you know, MLB's uh, announcement was pending. And, you know, did, uh, a bunch of people went after the report, said where to come from, where to come from, name your sources, and a guy couldn't substantiate anything to it, which, and a guy ends up saying, hey, well, you know, I didn't really know, I didn't have the fact, you know, whatever. But when something like that comes out, and then you think of what happened with Melky Cabrera, you know, his performance in the All-Star game, you know, the fact that the guy has come from the dead after his season a couple years ago with Atlanta, where it looked like he was totally finished. And then he goes and he fails a drug test, gets suspended for 50 games, yada, yada, yada. You know, there's got to be some connection there. And I'm and listen, I'm not going to be the one that's going to go crazy and go nuts over it and say that Cano is using performance-enhancing drugs, but there, there's a chance that there could be something to that. And I'll tell you, the Yankees, for an organization that really are going to have to pay this guy, like one of the top five players, and unfortunately, no matter how many people want to go against it, he is. He is the top five. Definitely. At the very least top seven players in this game right now so if he's hitting free agency you know he's going to get the 200 plus million dollars the 10-year deal what about trade bait everything that goes in with it and i'll be on that in one second the the fact that this guy is this guy's gonna to have to get paid like that and the yankees have to make that decision which leads to the possibility of a trade mm-hmm. now listen if you're if you're a yankee fan and you say all right we'll dangle robinson cano out you, you can, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get yeah, awesome man. You're gonna you're gonna get a you know pretty much a, a king's ransom for it. You could probably get yourself a number one a farm system, number two an everyday player in some way, shape, or form, and probably some pitching. And all of it could probably cost you a, a little bit less over the next couple of years. So back to the thing about the salary cap that could you know that could help out. But I think the Yankees are gonna end up resigning them. They're gonna end up extending them long term. And I think they're going to work their way around everything else based on Robinson Cano being a Yankee for the next eight to ten years. I, I would have to say with the Yankees' track record, you're probably right. Yeah, but I, mean, I, uh, I kind of wouldn't mind. I mean, I, I'm more about team chemistry. You know that. So exactly. For me, I don't know if he's going to – if he's if that's your example setter, that's a guy that you're signing long-term for young guys to come up and look at. I mean, that's almost a cancerous thing, right? It seems well, like a I'll fool's tell you, errand. I tell you, you make a good point because fool's <laughs> errand. Fantastic. But I, I think you make a great point there because the way the way it's set up is the Yankees are looking with the rest of their players to get under this the salary cap, probably to go with younger players. So if they're guys from the farm system, if they're younger guys coming up, how are you going to set them up to a role model like Robinson Cano? I yeah. mean, Robinson Cano will be the first one to tell you, I ain't going to run out of ball. I'm not going to friggin' hustle. No. You know, look look I'm at me. Smoke that, a I'm going to giant bowl I'm, before just, every game. He might as well, right? That's basically what he's doing. I mean, you know, you and I both know that when Jeter got injured on that play, the leadership of the Yankees basically expired. Well, listen, I mean, there, had a, there was a correlation between everything that was built up to no. there to the dramatic, you yeah. know, wins they had in the previous series to Jeter's injury. I mean, I have not seen a team fall more flat on their face after one single instance than I saw the New York Yankees do when Derek Jeter got hurt in that Tigers game. I've ne- uh, and it's blatantly obvious. You know, it's crazy that Jeter at his age can still be so potent. I mean, he's he was getting hits. He's the only guy in the Yankees that was hitting aside from you maybe You think he was getting row. a little assistance from uh, Cano and Melky Cabrera? Uh, I'm ne- <laughs> I never talk bad about Jeter until it comes out that he's doing yeah. something bad. Now, I the, way I, the way I, I look can't. at it is, listen, I think anybody – 
is a possibility. I, I, I would agree. be surprised if David Wright or anybody that I could imagine, any player that I, I wouldn't be surprised that I follow either. like anything. But I think you you got to be fair and say, listen. I mean, if the guy hasn't been indicted That's or saying, you know man. implicated in anything, you got to you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. You know what though? I'll tell you one thing. Anyone who is super competitive always is going to have that. And it, they're definitely going to be thinking about it. Uh, that's, that's. I mean, true. I honestly, if you put Derek Jeter up to a lie detector test and and ask him, say, listen, have you ever thought about taking performance enhancing drugs? If he says yes, he's going to fail. That 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 lie detector test is gonna go right out the window. The lines are gonna be jumping up and down like freaking crazy, and and it's just no, no player doesn't think about it. Now it does does his does his mind come out and he makes the right decision, decides not to, because he's been around twenty years and he has this legacy, and he's been painted as this perfect poster child for every everything that's not bad about the sport. He's he uh, that would really suck for for a lot of things. I mean, you know. Just think about what just happened with Armstrong. You know, like yeah. he comes out with this blood doping scandal. He's been the poster child for, oh, I've done it. I did it all by myself. Yeah, I, I, you time. know, I beat cancer. And, you know, look, you, you could make a case that, you know, the, the steroids get, got him cancer. You look at that. What he's, I mean, look at what look at what that just did for the sport, how many sponsorships they lost. Can you imagine if Jeter comes out? Jeter is like the last kind of hope for something that's like, a you know, a player that's still like a an old-time guy you know that did it on yeah. his own kind of like a throwback player That's a player saying, that wasn't man. using performance enhancing drugs to play yeah and then you get if, if it comes out that he did anything man i would be, i would be crushed i don't know if if i could watch the yankees again if, if that well I, I would but i just i don't know no it would be suck. tough i mean and and actually i had this conversation with somebody today um if jeter ever got caught doing you know doing performance enhancing drugs or was you know suspended because of it I think, and the person I was speaking with disagreed with me, I think that there would be an even bigger or more animosity towards Derek Jeter than would be than if, he, if he was anybody else. Than anyone. Even A-Rod. Because A-Rod is basically like, you know, you have uh, – Jeter is like Luke Skywalker and uh, A-Rod's like Darth Vader. And, and let's be That's honest. I mean, if, a, if A-Rod got suspended for 50 games next year, everybody would understand would why. Love it. Everybody, everybody, everyone would be like, hey, listen, the, the, guy, the guy was struggling. He went back to his roots where he was doing steroids you know in freaking Texas. That's actually and it might even be encouraged. I'm, that's what I'm saying. You know what? The Seinbrenner's probably getting right back on the juice right now. <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey, listen, where's your cousin? You know, <laughs> where's the guy that was giving you the stuff in Texas? Get Hook him, him up, up. Get him some damn drugs, and let's get the numbers let's up. Let's get him off again, and let's stop chasing skirt in the, uh, you know, sending balls up in the stands and getting numbers. Yeah, say, listen, who cares how small your balls get? Juice up. Let's go. Dude. His, if his forehead gets any bigger, it's gonna look like a cone head, dude. Yeah, absolutely, man. You're crazy. Yeah. Uh, what about wait? What about the rest of these guys that aren't hitting? What are they gonna do with Russell Martin? What? Uh, do they well, that's the, that's what I think is interesting because because what I all around <laughs> Joel Obama dynamite drop in. Oh man, <laughs> good. But Steroids. no, what I, what I think has been ridiculous is the fact that this whole postseason for the Yankees was painted 100 percent on a Rod, which right. I think was garbage. Number one. You don't take a guy out for three of your last five games that you that play was terrible. and then blame the entire but season But that's on not your argument. So that, that. that to me is bullshit. That's coming from the organization. That, absolutely. I, I understand that. But the, prob- the problem I have is how, how are you going to sit a guy out three of your last five games, pinch hit for him another couple times, and then blame the whole season on him? I, I think I, I, I'm not. I don't agree with I, that. I either. think that's what the Yankees want to do. The Yankees want to. The Yankees want to paint this picture that they're this model organization, that they're the only team in professional sports that wants to win every year. 
that nobody else wants it as bad as the New York Yankees want it. It's either a championship or a bust. Right, that's true. And, and, and to me, number one, that, that you, you can't say that because every other team wants to win just as bad. But to say, and, but to say there's got to be an excuse every year. You know, whether it was the year that they ended up parting ways with Joe Torrey. Whether it was, you know, which was a travesty the way they handled it. Yeah. By the way, no, that was terrible. They, I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't reward a I guy will, that's been there twelve years, has gotten you four World Series championships and two other pennants. I like will that. say one thing: they definitely are a scapegoat organization. Yeah, they're they're looking for somebody to blame every time. And if George was here, you know, Kevin Long would have been fired five times. He already. should be fired. Now I agree. Look, and, you know, and, and there'd be there'd be a new pitching coach in, and maybe maybe Girardi pays pitching, for it in the end. Pitching, no way. Look, look. Well, I know you're just making a hypothetical there, but I really think the pitching was great. I think I actually thought they they I, overachieved. They overachieved from, from what they had. I have no problem with, with pitching, but Kevin Long, man, everybody. If everybody, I don't understand his philosophy. Everybody's not hitting. You gotta. I think you gotta go a different hitting coach. I know you, you, you don't, do, but to me, it's a symbolic move. It's not fine. I, honestly, sometimes it, you gotta make a symbolic move. The, the thoughts that that's that was actually gonna ignite something in them. Maybe if they do it in the middle of a playoff series, which I actually thought that would have been interesting. You know, after Game Two against Detroit, Kevin Long's fired. You know, think about how the the team would have reacted. Maybe you get a little something out of it. But as a regular season move, honestly, I think it's I think it's like you suggested a scapegoat move. You're trying to put somebody to blame for it, and it's not necessarily going to change the hitters, especially the amount of money that these guys are being paid. You got A. Rod getting 27 million. You know, even guys, oh. even guys like even guys like Granderson and Cano, towards the year where they are as they're approaching free agency, are getting paid pretty well. Don't forget about what Mark Teixeira is getting paid. Oh my I know, god! I know you could say Derek Jeter's done the job for the most part, but factor in what he's getting paid. You know what's crazy? How about the fact that all the heat was off Teixeira this year in the playoffs? He still had a crap playoff. Uh, yeah, he actually awful. didn't. He had, he had one. He had one game that he was pretty awful. good. After that, he he was no better than anybody else in that organization. Isn't it hysterical how you know like he makes one? He steals a base, and because he does that, he gets credit for the whole play. Well, I mean, what about Game Four? Those two balls that ended up bouncing off his freaking off his I've glove. I've never seen that's what and, I'm and number one. How can you not score one of them in error? Number number two. What you know? The guy is known as a you know perennial freaking Gold Glove first baseman. He makes every play. He's got to come up bigger in that spot. Well, that's why I'm saying something. Something is rotten in Denmark because in the Yankees clubhouse, it's there's got to be. We don't know something that's you, going on. You think teixeira has got something on the Yankees? I I think I just think that 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 whole psyche in there. I I think everyone hates each other. I really do. I don't think they're a team. I don't think they want to play. They didn't care at all. There was no. I, come on, A. Rod sending balls up into the stands to try to get girls' numbers. And well, like, you know what? For that, sure that, for that, I don't blame him because the guy's not playing. Well, Put the guy in a damn game, and he wouldn't be doing that. Look, I'm sure that happens all the time, but don't get you're getting caught doing that when you're already. <laughs> and you got the, the New York Post freaking right up your ass, looking for every <laughs> single thing to freaking post the story. He, he totally did that. He, he had to do. Joe, it welcome to the show, man. How's it going? Joe, I did. I'm perfect. Yeah, well, I, I heard you guys talking about girls. I figured it out. Oh. He, he had to do that on purpose. He knew people were watching him. Like, he might have. Like, screw it. He's like, right. He's like, he I just want to totally like, mess right. with these guys. And on, honestly, well, one thing I'm going to get into with A-Rod, because a lot, a lot of Yankee fans are pissed off, but um, rightly so. I mean, the guy hasn't performed the last couple postseasons since 2009 when he carried the team to the World Series championship, which has to be mentioned, by the way. He, he, ha- he, he, has, he hasn't done very much to carry the team like he was, he was expected to. But he also has the most out of anyone in the league. That guy's got the most pressure on him. Everybody hates him, exactly. and everybody's up his and, ass. And that's what him. I'm getting into: the non-Yankee fan, or the anti-Yankee fan. 
is going to start warming up more to A-Rod right. than ever before. Because if you look at the press conference that he had the second day when he wasn't playing, and he was talking about his frustration, and he said, listen, the team is better with me in the lineup. And he, he said all the right things there. That's going to warm him up to the fan that is anti-Yankee and is going to make him more pro A-Rod. Right. Because once they see the division between the Yankees and their highest paid player, they're going to say, listen, what's, what's the best chance of happening to screw this team up? That's going to be a division between the best, team, best player and the team. And I think the non-Yankee fan, the, the, maybe, maybe the fan of another team, is going to be more in favor of A-Rod than they are with the Yankees with this. Uh, I got to say, too, A-Rod gets a lot. I mean, the media is always coming down on him and trying to catch him in a quandary. And let me tell you something. He handled himself pretty damn well. Like, he his skin. And no, he, listen, the way he handled that one press conference, honestly, incredible. if you sat there and you watched it, and maybe if you were you were not a Yankee fan, gain some respect. You would definitely gain respect for the guy because you're like, what else can the guy say? The guy's not going out of his way to trash the organization. No. The guy's obviously upset. Which is incredible. The guy's obviously upset because he's not in the lineup, which is you know he has every right to be. But he's saying, listen, I think the team's better with me in the lineup. I know I could turn on a ball at any time. I'm not getting a job done now, so you know they have the right to not put me in the lineup if they don't want to. He said all the right things there. Yeah, and you're you know you're talking about one of the whether you like it or not, one of the all-time greats. That's not 647 get, home that's runs, not my friend. Getting, that's not getting played in, uh, you know, in a playoff situation. That, paying $27 million to sit on the bench. Well, the, the last two years, he hasn't, he's, he hasn't hit 20 home runs, right? No. He, well, he, he, he was hurt in 2011. But he hasn't I think, played full season. You know, I think the guy with the serious hip injury that he had, I think, deserves a little bit of a pass for 2011. That, but it, his swing's still not right looking, for that, looking, looking into the type of player that he is, as a fantasy baseball fan, I'm in a couple leagues. I drafted A-Rod thinking that he was going to have a big season this year. Right. Thinking that he was going to recover from his injury and come back and actually get the job done. Mm-hmm. Listen, he had that unfortunate thing where he got hit by the ball, which happens. But he didn't get the job done this year. The 2012 season is 100% on A-Rod for not getting, you know, not doing me, what he had to do. Wrong, let, me so- <laughs> let me tell you something about A-Rod's hip, too. I don't think that that it ever healed the right well, way. Well, it's hard to. Because I mean, look at Chase Utley. He took a, he took another thing. almost another half a season off because of another injury because of his knee, but I bet you it had something to do with his hip too, which I'm, still wasn't recovered. I'm sure it did, and it seems like it's made you know, if you look at his swing and analyze it, which they've done, they've showed his swing from 5 years ago and showed his swing from the past couple of years. It's he can't open up on any type of inside pitch. So if you throw him fast inside, He's never going to catch up to it, and that's basically how they're pitching him. If he throw it out over the plate, he's going to hit it 450 feet. Nah, exactly, Nobody man. Nobody pitches in there. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break, man. We've got lots more to go over. Tito Landrum's going to be calling in a little bit. And, uh, yeah, whatever, man. We'll be back after Thank this. You. I'm Ron Sulpizi from the MTR Sports Report. Not sure where to eat? Then listen to these reviews. Awesome. Amazing Greek food. Everything is fresh. Great family restaurant in the heart of Ocean City. Katina's is an Ocean City staple. When you've had your fill of pizza, cheesesteaks, and ice cream, head for Katina's. Katina's Gyro Restaurant, 501 East 9th Street, Ocean City, New Jersey, 609-399-5525. Check out their website, katinasfoods.com. That's katinasfoods.com. Order their famous Mediterranean dressing, and they'll ship it right to your door. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, Katina's Greek Restaurant. In your face, all over the place, we're on. 
online 24 7 24 7 you're listening to the hottest internet station i'm karen siaska zeltman from italian hour when my car needs service i take it to jonathan's complete car care jonathan's complete car care is the best for auto repairs tires diagnostics and tune-ups you can depend on Jonathan's for the best service at prices you can afford. Give Jonathan's Complete Car Care a call, 609-601-6460. They work hard to give you the service you need. Jonathan's Complete Car Care works with many vehicles, including Mercedes-Benz, BMW, Volvo, Volkswagen, and Audi. Make Jonathan's Complete Car Care the company you keep. 609-601-6460. Call today for a free estimate or visit. Find us on the web at jonathanscompletecarcare.com and like us on Facebook and find us on Twitter. You're listening to MTR Radio, powered by mtrmedia.com. Past Ball Show, brought to you by johnpiele.com. What the f*** you think is my opinion of it? I think it was f***ing Put that in. I don't... Welcome back. Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Back. Still going to knock it out till about 6 o'clock today. And then, like I said, we're going to go a little, uh, a, a little. Um, I guess, I, I don't even know how to say it, but we're going to probably get a little more, more vulgar and insulting. And, you know, if you got children that are around towards the second hour of the show, I suggest you probably let them away a little bit. Banish them to the rooms. we're still going to hit up some stuff going on with baseball, like we always do right here in a Passball Show. Join with Christian Colabelli from Boy Meets Machine. Howdy. Who has uh, done a very good job, man? I'm kind of impressed, man. He kind of yeah. kind of brought your A game with you today. Definitely, man. Yeah, unfortunately, the little car ride, getting all tired. <laughs> oh, you know, a... I had a, had a little bit of concern that nah. maybe maybe it'd be uh, maybe you guys wouldn't be at the top of your game today. But there's no question about it. You definitely brought it. I think some of the frustration starting to build up into you oh, man. as a Yankee fan for everything that's gone on here and watching the team go out there against Detroit and get swept in four games. When I think that I think fans felt like they got some more to offer. And I think this year, I don't know, maybe from the beginning to the end, uh, certainly had its ups and downs. And I think in the end, I think the Yankee fan felt like they were a little bit cheated this year. I got to be honest with you, John. I saw after that, let me tell you something. When they made that comeback and Ibanez hits the home run to tie the game, and then they don't end up winning that game, uh, I just knew mentally – I told my dad i was like listen they're gonna get swept in four games i hate to say it but it's just fair enough but i want to throw this in there when you saw banyas hit you know hit the home run in, yes. the, in, in the game against baltimore yes and any other game after that yes do you get or actually i'm sorry the one later on in that game my bad uh did you get the feeling that this was like a scott brocious tino martinez like feeling tino like, for sure it like, really, like, I, like like just the way that the way he took the way that, that game out from 
nothing. The game was over. There was no way the Yankee. And I understand it was at Yankee Stadium. The fans are hanging on, thinking anything could happen. But once that happened, I, to to me, I looked at that. And I'm like, God, that's a that's a changer. You know, the the Yankees are going to gain the momentum from this and be able to do anything in the postseason. Well, that's what I'm saying. Let me tell you something. How many times have you seen a team rally back and and tie the game in the ninth inning and get that mental advantage of coming all the way back and then end up actually losing the game? That's almost unheard now, of. I'll tell you, looking back at that That's Detroit game, of. I believe we were talking about game one against Detroit. Yankees are down 4 nothing going into the ninth inning. And, and the Tigers got their closer out there, who, you know, by the, oh, way, Jose, by, by the way, Jose Valverde sucks. He I mean, is terrible. <laughs> the guy could not have come any, up any smaller in a big spot on numerous They can't even pitch year. him anymore. He's yeah. done. I mean, it, let's be honest. I mean, Phil Coke's getting saves in the, in the series, you know. He's taking up a You know, they've totally spot. given up on Valverde. But, you know, anyway, the way it happens, I mean, Ichiro comes up, hits a two-run homer, it's 4-2. Which was it, totally understated, by the way. That was ridiculous. Yeah. He had a missile. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and from that point, I think the Yankee fans are like, oh, here we go again, you know, Valverde, you know, Abanez comes up. And let's be honest, no matter how much confidence you have in Abanez, who, you know, tied the game and won the game in Baltimore, you still don't think it's going to happen again. And then he goes and he hits that home run, ties up the freaking game. I mean, as you know, Yankee fans got to be going nuts, freaking nuts. hugging each other, kissing each other, blowing nuts. each other, doing whatever. We were blowing each I mean, other. it had to be absolutely – Friggin' euphoria, and then to end up losing that game. That's what I'm saying. I mean, saying. that was probably the beginning of the end of that series. Well, to just to, to lose that game, to I, like I said before, to have the fortitude and and the will to come back. And the Yankees have, you know, they battled. They they had a lot of crap games where they battled back like that towards the end of the year. But to to do that in the playoffs and then to actually lose the game, and obviously Jeter getting hurt is just kind of you know. It, that's gonna happen. That's a part of the game, but you knew you knew then that Jeter getting hurt and them losing, that was the heart and soul of the team. Just just get crapping out, and you'd think they'd rally back and try to pick it up for Derek. And take- yeah, you would figure like your big player, the guy that stands for everything that's right with the New York Yankees. Yeah. we talked before about Robinson Cano standing for everything that's wrong and his lack of ability to hustle. Yada yada yada, and then you got Derek Jeter who plays the game right is the model citizen, the guy that could do no wrong, the pretty boy, whatever you want to say, gets hurt. You would figure that that was a moment that your team gets together, stands up for, and sticks up for a guy that you know is really still at this stage the heart and soul of the team. Absolutely. And, and the fact that they just kind of just rolled over and rolled over and died, let's be honest, I mean, game three was never really – into it no if you're going up against Anibal Sanchez for Christ's sake that's what I mean I mean, I mean, I mean here's 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 the guy that honestly has the least amount of track record is a guy who in the regular season the Yankees would beat up on a regular basis you make I mean Detroit's pitching staff aside from Verlander and uh, what's his name and Scherzer Scherzer really I mean even Scher- Scherzer's good well, but, listen Doc Fister's got to be all right yeah Doc Fister. But let Dog Fister, <laughs> let me tell you something. These guys are not – I mean, they're not the type of pitchers that you come up against thinking that you're not going to get a hit. They're not like, oh, my God, how are we going to get a hit off this guy? You, the Yankees crush these guys. They crush Verlander. And they come out and they put up goose egg after goose egg. And let me tell you something. I watched every second of every game, even in game – Four. I was I, I was in such disbelief that they were getting so beaten up. I was waiting for that couple of innings where they explode out and they turn the series around, thinking 
futilely that it's going to be 2004 Boston, uh, you know, rallying back from three down, and the Yankees are going to get a taste of what that's like, and they don't even put forth a an effort. It's just embarrassing. That's got to be the mind debilitating thing that probably happened to the Yankee fan there, because yeah. game, you know, number one, you look at Game Three, like I just mentioned, Annabelle Sanchez, for Christ's sake, they can't get a hit off of him. And then you come back and you're like, all right, well, listen, maybe the stage is set for this improbable comeback. If there's a game that the New York Yankees are going to win, it's game number four. We got Sabathia on the mound. Oh, and, and he and, pitched and, terribly. And yes, and yes Scherzer's a good pitcher. I don't, I'm, I'm not going to let, anybody, I'm not gonna let anybody say that Max Scherzer's a guy the Yankees should beat up. But coming into that game with your ace on the mound, without your captain, everything that was set up in that game for the Yankees to win – and they performed the way they did. It was ridiculous. First of all, you got Eric Chavez, who's playing for A-Rod, makes an error in the first inning, which set the tone right away. Oh, yeah. You're like, all right, A-Rod's out of the lineup again for the second straight day. And his replacement, who honestly, at his stage of his career, is still in no way in the makes the error. Teixeira plays the way he did. CeCe spits the bit. And honestly, the, hurt. You, know, the you game, and I both know he's hurt. Well, he's seeing Dr. James Andrews, yeah, and which can only mean surgery. one thing. Surgery. So uh, your, your, 2000, I'm scared. your 2013 season with CC on the bench probably isn't too, too is, exciting. Is Pineda going to come back? Do we know? What <laughs> well, is going well, on? Well, I think he's guys? getting out of jail, isn't he? Yeah. He's <laughs> Pineda? Pineda, yeah. Pineda's? Pineda's? Michael Pineda. He is in jail, right? Is he still, or who knows? I don't know. I know uh, he got. I know. I know he he found out about his arm and he needed surgery and he went out and went drunk driving that night. Wasted, yeah. Yeah. Every that's now awesome. and then you're like, hey, what are we gonna do tonight? Yeah, I'm gonna go drunk driving. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, cool, man. Yeah, I'm you just know, gonna fill, fill up a bottle of vodka and uh, see see how far I could get before I get caught. Cool, because I'm a major league pitcher and that's okay. Um, <laughs> I, I could post bail. Let me <laughs> let me tell you something. You know what else is scary about the Yankees? When have you ever seen a Yankee stadium that has uh, empty seats during a playoff game where you can buy seats for a game three uh, or, or a game four game that day? Isn't that doesn't that upset you a little bit? That well, you're not a Yankee fan, but it upsets me. Well, listen, I mean, if if I you know had the success and got the money that I needed to, I would intentionally buy tickets like that just to show up the Yankee fan. I would go. I would go up there, get the three hundred dollars seat, and be like, and hold, stand up with my Yankee suck sign. <laughs> What's that stadium? What's with the stadium, man? Nobody wants to go. What? What is it? Too well, expensive? listen. I think they. What they did is they set that they the prices that they set the seats at. It's crazy. Were pretty much for the the businessman, the, the you know the millionaire, yeah, the guy to pay that has the guy the guy that has the money. And they're like, you know what? If we we fill these seats every night, we're gonna generate even more revenue. Than we did before, which I think was a little selfish on their part. Absolutely. I think they went a little they they went a little overboard. They're like, let me put these seats to a point where like everybody's going to be like, hey, the Yankee ticket, the Yankee ticket, that's where I want to be. You're going to get all these guys with all these all this money, all these corporations, and nobody bought into it. Nobody. So they ended up it. with all these freaking empty seats, which I think is hilarious because you got Yan- the the Yankees who are the highest. The, the the best the best friggin' ticket in Major League Baseball, let alone maybe all all professional sports, to a point where people can't afford to buy a seat anywhere near the field. Who said? Didn't Delman Young say it's the easiest place to come in and play? Yeah, yeah, because you, you don't. You know, what they did is, and I I think they wanted to get away from the working man, which is they, ridiculous. And, and and honestly, like think of that the history of right field at the old Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it was crazy, crazy. I mean, they they pretty much controlled the environment at the stadium. 
And the fact that they went, you know, they went out there, essentially eliminated that person, saying, "Hey, you could get an upper deck seat." I mean, honestly, they they sent a disservice to their fans. And how many how many years you're going to have to look at the seats in the stadium be empty? I mean, for a playoff game, for Christ's sake. Also, when you're selling prime rib sandwiches for 25 bucks, you know there's something wrong at Yankee Stadium. Oh yeah, there we go. Like, are you kidding me, dude? We we could have fed like like four people for one. Isn't of the that, that's ridiculous. Yeah, listen, I, I understand trying to get your money's worth out of it. You know, there's you know, you have a stadium that's going to be filled every night. You want to try to get every little dollar you can after it. But when it affects the sales of the tickets and people aren't coming to the games because they obviously can't afford the seats that you got, you got to do something about it. Well, there, I think too, like if you're you're charging that much for seats too, you're like you're thinning your population out by only like catering to like you know people who have X amount of dollars. You know, uh, yeah, that's what it's like. Those aren't even the people know? that are like actual baseball fans. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, the working man yeah. who's really into this stuff. Yeah. No, exactly. You're like you're taking out like everybody who has half those guys don't even jobs. know the rules. Yeah. Oh, no, that's a wicked googly. Yeah, that's a wicked googly. <laughs> Pass me my my rib sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> my prime rib sandwich. I'm gonna go home and whip myself. <laughs> oh <Get> my god. <laughs> G is ready the gym suit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's just depressing, John. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what to think going into next year. There's so many intangibles. So many things up in the air. Um, the pitching, uh, on the bright side, it looks like the pitching, if they got through it this year, hopefully they'll come back with a vengeance next year. But you know what gonna, it's going to do? They're going to be able to buy one more season with their par uh, starting rotation. That's what I'm thinking. And like I mentioned before, be one more. you're going to have to rely on these so-called kids, the untouchable prospects, which I want to get into. Okay. Because all this talk has been out there about Dylan Betances and Manny Benuelos. Throw Pineda in there, who I actually think is a better pitcher than he gets credit for. But all these young pitchers, when are they going to make their, their impact on this team? Because it's going to have to happen sometime next year. You can't just go and re-sign Kuroda and re-sign Pettit for one more year and probably add another starting pitcher, get through the season, and then be like, all right, we don't have the money anymore. we got to count on these kids. It's time. Get in there. They might as well just throw Jabba Chamberlain in the rotation. That's because honestly, whoa, because whoa. honestly they, have it, they have as good of a chance of having success. Ugh. Not with again. with that because and I'm not I'm not in any way advocating it I'm not I'm, I was actually saying it kind of as a joke but that's pretty, <laughs> that's pretty much what you're looking at because you're 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 throwing two guys out there and be like all right pitching Yankee Stadium every fifth day with all the pressure on you all of a sudden let's just do it go do it now now do you th is Ivan Nova is he just done Ivan Nova is going to be back next year and uh, listen I don't know what their role is I actually think the guy who's in the best standing. In the New York Yankees rotation outside of Sabathia and Kuroda and you know Pettit, if they you know if they come back, which we expect them to, is Phil Hughes. He's actually you know he's he's come up you know big enough in certain times where I don't think the Yankees are going to put too much pressure on him to say here you either get the job done or you're out. Well, so I think he's going to be safe. Nova's interesting because there were some issues last year with his attitude. He has and, he has got a Cano attitude and, and the kind of way that he kind of just feels entitled. And that's not going to work unless you're putting up numbers like Cano all the time. Right. I mean, you know, Ivan Nova did not get the job done this year, needed to stand up and face the music, and he kind of he kind of pushed it off of him, said, hey, you know, it, you know, almost like saying he wasn't responsible for the fact that he pitched like shit. Um, now, what about Phil Hughes' three-and-a-half inning, uh, you know, performance in the playoff game with, the, with his little 
injury. What do you think about that? Well, let's be. I mean, he didn't he didn't go three three plus innings and give up seven runs. No, which I think gets him a little more of a pass as if he would have done. But um, we're gonna get back to it in a little bit. Right now, we're gonna welcome in uh, former Cardinals outfielder Tito Landrum. Tito, John Pielli, Passball Show, MTR Radio Network. Thanks for having a couple minutes, buddy. Hey, John. Hey, what's going on, man? I thought you said Friday. Today's my birthday. I was I was out having dinner. Oh my God! I'm yeah, sorry. actually, I, I could have sworn I said Thursday, but if yeah, you know, if you thought it was Friday, you, I apologize. Uh, are you ready now? Yeah, I'm all ready, brother. Oh, I'm, I gotta find a quiet place. You can't hear me, can you? I can I'm hear you perfect. <laughs> I hear you perfect, brother. Is, it, is, is this okay? Yeah, yeah, perfect, dude. Okay, I apologize because I. Well, first of all, happy birthday, man. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, I, hope I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem, man. I hope you're enjoying yourself. And like I said, I apologize one more time for the confusion. But uh, okay. Tito, man, uh, listen, man, you got a you had a couple different turnaround turnarounds with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals, man. He started out there in the early '80s, 1983. You get traded to the Baltimore Orioles, you know, around the trading was, deadline. You I, end up helping them, being part of the team for you know, helping them uh, win the World Series. Tell us a little bit yeah. about 1983. Well, you know what? It's funny you should mention that because I found out about 10 years later, I was the player to be named later in my own trade. <laughs> in other words, the Cardinals were looking for a catcher at that time, and the Orioles had Sugar Bear. And so he came over to the Cardinals, and, of course, I came to the Orioles. And they had already arranged that at the end of the season, we would go back to our respective at spring training of the next year. I was getting ready to say goodbye to my good friend, Hal Lanier, who was our third base coach. And he says, you never know in this game, T. You might be over here before you know it. And, of course, a week or so later, I was back with the Cardinals. So, so you, you didn't even know it was going to happen that way. Pardon me? I said you didn't even know it was going to work out that way. That's kind of interesting. No, I didn't. It was kind of interesting. And you know what? It's kind of like the, uh, the gods of baseball because I enjoyed both teams. Yeah, absolutely, man. But you got a chance to be part of the World Series championship in 1983 with Baltimore. So you end up going over there kind of as a rental, you know, not knowing that you're going to go back to the Cardinals after that season. But tell us a little bit about being part of that Oriole team and winning the World Series, appearing in the, you know your first playoff games and stuff like that. Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's amazing how you can fit into a club so easily, and the Orioles were able to make me feel like family. And I, and I hate to use analogies, but they really did make me feel that from day one. Of course, I lived with Eddie Murray. His best, best friend was Kyle Ripken. So I was like a kid in a candy store at that particular time coming over to the Orioles. And, of course, at that time, too, they were they were a bunch of guys who had grown up together in the minor leagues and had come up together. And so I was just like, am I really going to fit in? But they made me feel comfortable from day one. And, of course, being in that World Series was just uh, an unbelievable experience for me because of uh, the guys that were there. You know, I was in the National League, so I didn't know too much about the American League players other than by name, so getting to know them was, uh, was was quite a treat also. And that organization was very, very special to me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Now, once again, it's John Pielli. I'm here with Tito Landrum. You know, getting that playoff experience with the Orioles in 1983 probably helped you out for, you know, what was probably a series of unexpected events in the postseason in 1985. You know, Vince Coleman, of course, you know, hurt, hurts himself with, you know, getting the tarp rolling over on his foot, ends up missing the postseason. You end up being thrust into the starting lineup. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, 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 you must have been listening to some of my interviews because that's what exactly what I said. <laughs> it was helpful being with the '83 Orioles and then getting with the '85 Cardinals, going back to the World Series because you know there is there is a lot of anxiety that goes along with it. You get to see it and kind of step back and say, "Man, 
it would be nice, but how would I handle it? So you get a little preview of that, and uh, it, was a, it was a good experience for me. And then it just took me on, and I said, you know what? George Henry said one thing, and remember one thing. It's baseball. The superlatives are always going to surround it, but you got to remember what you can do and what you can't do and try to stay in those parameters. Now, now as you move in there, you're, you're thrust into the starting lineup. You end up having a pretty good postseason. I mean, your your NLDS numbers were good. You actually hit over 400 in the World Series. Uh, tell us tell us a little bit about that. Did you kind of feel like you were just like you were just part of the lineup, just like you know, yeah. you know, kind of as as opposed to what you were during the regular season when you're coming off the bench? If, if, if I tell you this, you're going to laugh a little bit, but this is the honest to goodness truth. You know, I look at a lot of players today, or or in the past even, and I say, man, those superstars. They really have to go day in and day out, and they have no idea how they do it. At that particular time, while I was playing, I felt like I was the only person in real time, and everybody was in slow motion. What do I mean by that? I actually could see the ball as big as a balloon coming to me at times. It was like I could see the the palm of their hand for a fastball and the side of their hand for a curveball. They talk about getting in a zone. Well, I was in a zone and didn't want to fall out of that tree, so... You came at a good time. Unfortunately, like there's some guys that are day that struggled during the playoffs. Alex Rodriguez in, in particular, you know, you go into slumps. But then every once in a while, you just climb on that tree and you hang with it as long as you can. So it came to me at a good time. That absolutely did, man. Now, moving on to that series, obviously it didn't work out your way. Uh, of course, uh, the, the very uh, big call that goes against you in game six of the series by Don Denkinger. Tell us a little yeah. bit about your view of that. You know, was it as blatant of a miss as people say it is? You know, it, it's tough. And, and uh, we've talked to Dinkinger. Matter of fact, Waddy Herzog had, his come, had, his, had him come to a couple of our reunions, and he said, you know what? Where I was standing, everything that went on, as I turned around, I saw it, and I judged it as I did. But he said, in the re- in, in, in second thought, after seeing the review, yeah, I made a bad call, but there wasn't, you know, instant replay at that time. And I made the call, and I stuck with my call. So, you, you know what? It's a game of inches, and you know what? You have to go with the umpires. We make mistakes in the outfield. Umpires are going to make mistakes. Unfortunately, if you make it at the times like that, they are going to be looked at and, and magnified. And, I, and knowing him now, I, I kind of feel bad for him that it happened. But for us at that time, but it, it's just part of the game. Yeah, it definitely is, man. Now, looking back on it, do you think that the call itself um, you know, deflated the Cardinals to a point as the way they looked on the field after that call? It affected us. Yeah, it, it does. You know, it, it's like they talk about momentum. Something like that can, you know, just stick a knife in your side, and it's sometimes hard to overcome that. And a lot of guys were always talking about that. Well, you got to move on. You can't stay there. You can't stay in the past. You have to move on to the present. And uh, it just so happened that we didn't get past that. And it's, yeah, it did affect us. Now, mo- moving on there, as you, you're, you're part of the team that makes, you know, ends up going back to the playoffs, but I believe you got traded during the 1987 season. Am I correct? Yes, sir. I went to the Dodgers. Yeah. Now, looking back at it from you know being being a member of the Dodgers as the postseason started, was there any 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 bit of a of a of a weak feeling or missing missing out on being part of what was your team for so long? Well, you always want to be a part of a winning team, you know. And the Dodgers, not that they were struggling at that particular time, but I, you know, had a family affair with those Cardinals. You know, you, you become like like family day in and day out, and all of a sudden you got to move. Fortunately for me, my dad was at the airport, so every two years we got up and, and, and left. So, in a sense, it wasn't anything too new to me. But in the in the, in the aspect of it being a job, 
yeah, it took a little bit of time for me to, to make that, uh, that, that change. Now, moving on to the next season, you end up leaving L.A., playing for Baltimore that season. The Dodgers go all the way and win the World Series. Does that, like, <laughs> compound it even more from what happened the season before? Well, you, you, I, I missed out again. You know, that was one <laughs> of those things. You know, the Dodgers go back to the World Series. And uh, I remember being with the – I remember being with the um, – uh, with the um, with Tommy Lasorda, and I, I knew in, in, in particular that there was a chance that I was not going to make that team, and I was hopeful they were going to release me during spring training. And unfortunately, I became a security blanket for them with their outfield position, and they released me at the end of the year. And that was the only hardship that I that I encountered at that particular time. I had the chance to play with the Dodgers for a small period of time, get to understand Lasorda and how it worked out out on the West Coast. But uh, you know. That, that, that's life. You can't, you know, it's not sour, it's sour grapes, but you have to go on again. Now, albeit briefly, you played for Lasorda. Of course, you played for Earl Weaver, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, play, well, actually it wasn't Earl. Earl. Yeah, Earl Weaver he was, was out, gone already. He was at yeah, yeah, right. Joe Altabelli was the manager. And then uh, you play, of course, for Whitey Herzog for as long as you did. Yeah. Is it safe to say that uh, playing for Whitey was probably your best experience playing for a manager? Hey, listen, I'm going to be honest with you, John. It was a tremendous experience. I remember as we were getting ready to break for spring training, Mike Ramsey and I were sitting there stretching at the end of the day. And, you know, we had some serious superstars on that team. And he came out there, and he knelt between the two of us, and he looked at us and said, you know, guys, I've got my starters, and I've got guys coming off the bench. You guys are going to be an integral part of this team. When I call upon you, I'm calling upon you because I know you can do the job. And that, that made my confidence soar. So that was a good time for me at that particular time, for him to have that much confidence and still that within me. And both my friends and I, you know, said, you know what? I feel like I'm part of the team now. No, absolutely. And that's, that's really the way he kind of he uh, treated his players. He made sure every yeah. one of those 25 guys defensive replacements. You know, he also kept, you know, third-string catchers for that one little role. And he made yeah. everybody on that team, from what I've heard from a lot of other players, is that, you know, he made every player – feel as wanted as anybody who was the biggest star on that team he was a chess master he, he was always at least ahead of some of the managers by two or three innings and of course evenly matched with the rest of us so yeah it, it was great playing for him no question man listen tito i want to thank you a lot for having some time today man i hope you enjoy the rest of your birthday man thank you very much and i apologize i for some reason i have it on my calendar this friday I'm glad that you got a hold of me. I'm glad I called you back, and thank you very much for taking your time. Uh, listen, no reason to be sorry, man. I'm, I'm just happy to have you on, man. Take care, all right? All right. All right. Thank you very much. Anytime, man. Bye-bye. That was Tito Landrum, St. Louis Cardinals, 1985. Got to go over some good stuff. We're right up against the, the uh, break here, though. We're going to be back in a little more uh, pass ball show.